Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Blessed Is She That Believe. Y'all, we are in season two. Yay! <laughs> um, welcome to everyone who is new, who this is your first time listening uh, to this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> My name is Stephanie Cooper. I am the author and CEO of Blessed Is She That Believed. And yes, that is the name of my books, the name of my business, the name of this podcast, it's the name of everything that I do because it is very true. Blessed is she that believes, blessed is he that believes, blessed is everyone who believes, okay? Comes from Luke chapter one, verse 45. Um, I originally wrote that book in 2020 and it was also published in the same year. However, um, I republished it this year myself and um, I just did it this past summer. Well, are we still in summer? It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> I did it this past summer. Summer's over for me. I'm a school teacher also by day, podcaster by night. Um, and I published it under my new publishing company name, which is um, called The Ready Writer. And I have two books under the company's name that I'm super excited about. My other book will be released in September. It's called Declarations to Fight Anxiety and Doubt. Both books are on my website to purchase. Declarations um, is on pre-order right now, so you can get it for $10. The regular price would be $20. I'm so in love with both of those books, not only because I wrote them, but because of the things that I wrote in them. <laughs> um, both books have backstories to them, and when I think about the things I was going through when I wrote the books, and then seeing the words on the page, reading what I wrote it is a tremendous blessing um knowing that God gifted me with the ability to write and that my writing touches a lot of people so yeah it's it's beautiful when I think about it um like for example my book of declarations I wrote it in the middle of a of a panic attack um I was, yeah, having a panic attack and I just heard the Holy Spirit say all of these things from the word, you know, pulling from the word, like you are redeemed, you are mine, I know your name, you know, just all of those things. And I saw what I had, what happened is I got my notebook and I started writing everything down. Um, everything that he said he is to me, I wrote it down. And when I got done, I had about 40 statements. I am statements. Um, after that, the Holy Spirit was like, now you got a book. And I was like, what? Like, you keep giving me stuff to do, like projects. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I love that book. That book is a blessing. It's a tremendous blessing. Um, so, yeah, I hope you go to my website, www.blessedtheshethatbelieved.com. I hope you go to my website, and you purchase both books. <laughs> anyway, if you joined me last season, you know how I got here. You know how this podcast got started. Um, I was at my night job where I teach. And Holy Spirit was like, go to Target, get your microphone, your podcast. And like, like this happened in March, um, I think March 15th to be exact. And I was like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I don't have no money to get no microphone. Like, pod, you know, I have been watching podcasts um, like Better Together, um, Dear Future Wifey with Latarius Whitfield. Latarius, I promise, Mr. Whitfield, if you are listening, I want to sit on the yellow couch before you years over with, if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, yeah, Dear Future Wifey. I, you know, I listened to a couple of podcasts, so I'm like, I know podcasting equipment is expensive. Holy Spirit was like, I didn't ask you all that. I just told you to go to Target and buy the microphone. Well, I got Target buying the microphone. They price matched it to the um, microphone on the website. And I actually got a discount on the microphone. So it was not as expensive as it was supposed to be. Look at God. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I came home that night and did the podcast and I had nothing written down. I had nothing to go by. I was just talking. So if you go to my first, I think I did two episodes, the first two episodes, the same night. So if you go to, 
um, whatever streaming platform you're listening from and you listen to the episode one, I'm babbling a lot. <laughs> I tend to do that sometimes when I'm in this complete disbelief of what is going on in my life. So yeah, that's why it's called episode one is called. So I got guys got me in a chokehold because <laughs> he really did. Anyway, um, like I said, if you're new, welcome. Um, usually do introduction and prayer. Sometimes it's no introduction. We just jump right in. But um, I just wanted to introduce myself in case some of y'all are just now hopping into this. Um, so hopefully y'all will share this, love it, subscribe, and um, follow. Please follow me. Be a follower, not of me, but of Christ. Okay? Because, yeah, we follow Jesus, not other people. <laughs> All right. So, um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this podcast. Thank you so much for allowing others to um, hear your word, Father. Thank you for using me as a vessel to um, share how great you are and the love that you have for us. We just come against all delays and distractions right now in the name of Jesus. We just thank you right now for allowing others to hear the word of Jesus Christ through this podcast. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's get into it. Like I said, this is season two. So season two, um, this is episode one. I entitled this episode, Sit in the Stink. So for this season, for the first half, um, it's going to have to do with the stench of sin. Stench or stink of sin. I don't know. You might say stink, stink, stench, whatever. It don't smell good, okay? Um, I know last season, like I was pretty much flying blind, as I said before, I didn't really have scripts and stuff like that. I was just sitting and talking, which I went back and listened to it. I was like, wow, this sounds really great. <laughs> I mean, but this season, I kind of was like, ah, let me be a little bit more structured in my approach. Now that I kind of got an idea of what to do, I want to be more professional. I mean, I even got a pink microphone. That's just like my other microphone except for it's pink. Like, I'm excited about this. So, <laughs> um, anyway, for those of you who are new, um, like I said, I was pretty much flying blind last season, but this season I wanted to delve into some things that I believe will help with your own personal Bible study. Also, for those of you who do not know Jesus, first, I would like to say welcome again, um, and thank you for joining. I pray that the word, like, like penetrates your heart. Also... I want to say that I know we have all in some way, shape, or form have had an encounter with the Word of God, whether we go to church, we've heard it online, or someone told us about it, but I'm here to tell you the Word of God is alive. It really is alive. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where, let's just say, I'll just use me as an example, okay? When I was in college, I had a boyfriend, we were sleeping around. Okay, like that's I was in college. I knew it was wrong, but I was like, we're going to get married. If I could go back in time and slap myself, I would. Wasting my time. Anyway, <laughs> just doing like dumb stuff. But that's that's another story for another day. Anyway, so every time I go to church, my pastor's preaching on fornication. It's like, dude, were you in downtown Savannah last night? Like, what were you? What were you? Did you like, how do you know like seriously I'm so serious and a lot of times we take that as oh he in my business and he preaching on me she preaching on me no that is the Holy Spirit and that is the Lord using them as his speaker box to speak to you and the word convicts the whole like the word of God convicts it does not condemn condemnation comes from Satan so when you hear that, oh, you stupid, you messed up again. That, that's condemnation. That is the that's that's from the enemy. Conviction is where you are being pointed out, like your sin is being pointed out to you. Is like a mirror is being held up to you so you can see yourself. That's that's basically what conviction is. It's not to hold the mirror up so you can see yourself and then go, look, you ugly. No, no, it's not to do that. It's just like you see that right there, that area right there. Yeah, we're going to need you to stop that. 
uh, you gotta, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna need you to change direction. That's con, that's conviction, not condemnation. Um, the word of God is alive. So every time you go to church and you hear the pastor talking about something that you just went through, that's not the pastor. That's the Holy Spirit using them. Okay. Um, and the word of God is alive also because like, let's use, for example, Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, you know, everything. Yeah, we know that. We had to recite that as a kid. So as a child, we knew Psalm 23. But to reread it again now as an adult or a teenager even, or a seasoned adult. I don't like saying old people or elderly. I like to say seasoned. You know, food, be, it tastes better when it sits long. You know, seasoned adult. It hits differently. Like, I reread Psalm 23. I really did, like, studying on Psalm 23. And I'm like, this is David talking about his whole experience with Goliath. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Your rod and staff are with me. The valley is where David fought Goliath. Leads me beside still water. David found five smooth stones and like a little brook or a little stream. Yeah. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. First of all, see, this isn't even, I got notes. I sat here and typed notes all this afternoon and now I'm not, I'm not all. <laughs> can't even talk <laughs> now i'm not even on my notes <laughs> i don't know what that was um <laughs> i can't even talk but yeah i'm not even in my notes now but you prepare he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies i'm like um when i was doing the study and i went back and read the chapter that david um fought goliath in which is in first samuel second samuel when you go and read that chapter you realize David's brother was mad at him for even being there. Because David went to the battle to take food. Because his dad said, all right, take this food to your brothers. Um, or whatever. So he, he got called from the field to go take food to his brothers. When David get there, David get crunk. Oh, y'all, we ain't going to let him talk to us like that. You know, like that. His brother said, what trouble are you making over here? And David go, what did I do now? So... Then I also had to ask myself about this table he prepared. He prepares in front of me, um, in front of my enemies. Is how do your enemies get close enough to you to sit at the table with you? Those enemies are called your friends and your family. Oh, because think about it a well known enemy, somebody that you just do not like, are you inviting them to come sit at the table with you? No. So how do these enemies get at this table? That's because they're your friends and family. David's family, his brothers, he fought and had victory over Goliath in front of his brothers. You see how it hit differently when you get older and you start doing this studying and stuff? Because the word of God is alive. Like, seriously. And a lot of times we get so, um, we treat the word as just another book. It's not just another book. This thing is real. Everybody in this Bible is real. They're not characters in the story. That's why I don't like saying the story of someone. It's an account. It is an account. It really happened. These people are real in the Bible. They are put there for us to have an example. And, oh, my gosh. I, I just want y'all to know that. So, as I'm going through it, just think about, like, pull your Bible out. Um... When you have some time to yourself, go back and study where we are. And I promise you, the word is going to start speaking to you. You're going to see it in a whole different way. You you might see it different than what I said. Um, there is some caution with this because I pray before I jump into the word. Um, as you can hear, we pray before we start this podcast because I want the Holy Spirit to lead and direct me. I don't want my thoughts and emotions and feelings to get forefront and start leading me and directing me um, because there you can't over-spiritualize some stuff. So I do read commentaries um, in Blue Letter Bible. I'm going to shout Blue Letter Bible out because Blue Letter Bible is awesome. They not only have several different commentaries, they have um, interlinear translations and all of this stuff. So that's a good resource to have. But yeah, people can't over-spiritualize some stuff like, oh, that cup is 
the cup that the Lord fills up, like, sir, that's a mason jar glass with Kool-Aid in it. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, because <laughs> some people do too much. But, um, yeah. Anyway, moving forward. The word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That comes from Hebrews 4 and 12. So picture this, you are in church, the pastor preaches on a sermon or preaches the sermon, but from that one sermon, everyone gets a different understanding because the Holy Spirit speaks to everybody's heart wherever they are spiritually. Somebody could be going through financial difficulties. Somebody could be having an affair. Somebody could be um, gambling. Somebody could be um, about contemplating suicide. That one word that the pastor has preached in a sermon goes to those different situations and starts ministering because the word of God is alive. That's why. And the Bible tells us in John 1, Jesus is the word. In the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. The word, yeah, like, I, I listen. John was straight flowing in chapter one. And I just want y'all to know that. Go read that. You could put, like, a beat to that. And I promise you, John is rapping. He's spitting the truth, literally. Okay? So, <laughs> um, now, I'm not a preacher or a pastor. I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. At this point in my life, I am tired of trying to do it my own way only to end up doing it the way I was supposed to do it in the first place. I'm tired of wasting time. Okay. So that's why I'm doing this because the Lord told me to do something. I'm going to do what he said do. Now it used to be, I have 50 million, 11 questions. Now I might ask one question and it's just for clarification purposes. Like when he told me to do this podcast, I don't have any money to buy a microphone. <laughs> said why you were okay let me go do it and my need was provided when the lord tells you to do something he always provides everything you need for it i had a laptop all i needed was a microphone all i need is one mic it's not i can't i can't do this with myself anyway <laughs> so this episode we're dealing with lazarus jesus's bff um, in chapter 11 of John and in chapter 11 and let me tell you something it's 45 verses for this account I'm not reading all 45 we're going to just hop skip and jump around okay go back and read and study it yourself because this thing is so packed with things I'm going to have to go back and restudy it because I promise you I had to stop typing I didn't even finish notes for this um, because Holy Spirit say stop I stopped because it's just, I got stuck on one part and I think that's where I'm supposed to go. So anyway, I'm going to read a couple of verses and yeah, we're just going to go with it. Now a certain man, this is verse one. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And that's in parentheses. So it's like, because it's several different Marys in the New Testament. They want you to know which Mary this was. The specific, this is very specific. According, like This is that Mary. So verse 3 says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse 4, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, I'm going to stop right now. <sighs> so, this is basically, well, I'm not going to say it's basically, it. for me, in my mind, this is like that everybody has a person or a group of people you consider family. You're not related, but that's, that's your family, no matter what. I have people like that in my life, and I feel like this is how it was for Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That was his family. They supported him. They loved him. He loved them. That was his family. He probably, when he comes to their town, he stays at their house. Mary and Martha feed him. They sit up talking late at night, playing games, laughing and joking, fall asleep. You know how you do when you go to your cousin's house and you sit there and you stay up all night talking and laughing and y'all just kind of fall asleep somewhere in the house 
or at your grandma's house with all your cousins. I feel like this is that. This is how their relationship was. Um, verse six. Like, for those of you who don't know this account, Lazarus. Well, let me see. <laughs> let me see. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and tell you plot. You know, plot twist or whatever. Lazarus dies. Okay. Um. Like I said, you're gonna have to go and read this whole chapter because it's so much stuff in here and I, I don't want to prolong this podcast because I can't get to everything but what stuck out to me was verses 6 verses 20 and I think verse um 39 yeah verses 6 20 and 39 so verse six says, when he had there, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. If you notice when you go and do this study, the word still is mentioned in both verses. Verse six, it says, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And it's like, I didn't write that verse down, but in Psalms, it says, be still and know that I am God. And I'm taking my time with this because, like I said, it's a lot here. Um, abode is the past tense of the word abide. And now I have to look the definition of it up because I know what it means, but I, I like, like I said, if you're new, I love looking up definitions of words because you will be amazed how it transforms your understanding of the, the word of God and not just the, your understanding of the word of God, but your understanding period. Um, so abode, it can be a noun, a place in which a person resides, residence, dwelling, habitation, or home. An extended stay in a place. So, sojourn. Sojourn. So it would be definition number two. An extended stay in a place. What caught my eye was it says he abode two days still in the same place where he was. <laughs> Y'all, after he got the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed in the, in place. And not only that, but it reiterates because the definition of abode is an extended stay in a place to sojourn. So he sojourned. He had an extended stay for two days. But it says still in the same place where he was. Well, if he was in the same place, you know, like it's kind of like, why would they say still in the same place where he was? Why not just say he, he abode two days in that place? Well, know why? Because you can be in a place and keep and constantly moving. You can be in a place but not be still. How many of you right now are trying to focus on what I'm saying, but your mind is constantly wandering to everything that you have to do today or tomorrow? Yeah. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days. Physically, he stayed two days. Instead of going straight to Lazarus, he stayed two days. You got to understand, Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay? Yes, Jesus is God's son, but he is also God in the flesh. They're the three in one. Okay? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Once again, I'm not a pastor or a preacher. I cannot break it all the way down and even if I could you would probably be even more confused but there are some things that 
you just have to accept as a believer because if you try to go too far in, you're going to confuse yourself and you're going to be so frustrated with the word. You, you're going to just shut it off out of your mind. And the Bible clearly says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So I said it to myself quite often, especially like with, okay, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. How is he all three? One? You know what? His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. When you get the realization that you're never going to understand the mind of God, you'll, you will be still, <laughs> you will sit there and just go, okay, because you, and you have to think of it this way. If you can understand the mind of God, he wouldn't be God. <laughs> you can't even understand the mind of a toddler. You can't understand why toddlers do what they do. You can't understand why a man does what he does. You can't understand why a woman does what he does. Why is, why are those situations acceptable? But when it comes to God, oh, I can't worship a God that it, baby, listen, why would I want to worship somebody? I know his every move. I know exactly what he's doing. I don't want to worship nobody like that. Because <laughs> that means he's a person. God is not a person. <laughs> he is above all. <laughs> That's why he has a name like El Shaddai, the most high. To let you know, ain't nobody above him. <laughs> so, anyway, with that background, you have to understand, Jesus already knew what was going to happen before it happened. He already knew the outcome of this. So, and that makes it, I don't know if y'all watched The Chosen, but it's really great if you have not watched it. I think they have a couple of a couple of seasons on Tubi and Amazon Prime if you're a Prime member. But if you don't have either one of those streaming platforms, download the app, the Chosen app, and you can watch it on your phone. And it dawned on me as I'm watching this, this show is like, Jesus was really like walking through everything, already knowing how stuff was going to end, already knowing who was going to be um, running up on him, trying to take him out. Like Jesus already knew all of this stuff. And yet he still chose to love us. He still chose to, to show us grace and mercy. You know, he still humbled himself. He still respected his parents. Do you know how many people to disrespect their parents? I'm God around here. What my food? You know, like, <laughs> get a sandal thrown up inside your head, get popped in the back of the head with a sandal. But Jesus was still, he still played that role. You know, like, he was still like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm God. I know that. <laughs> and nobody really knows and understands. So, but I'm going to still do this because I love them so much. And I was sitting here for a purpose. I was sitting here for a reason and they need to be saved. Like if you just sit on that and think about that, that'll blow your mind. You, you, you will probably end up crying because he didn't have to do all of that. Once again, this is not on script. Okay. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to suffer and endure the cross for us. He could have called them angels. Hey man, <laughs> he could have struck all the people down dead with like probably like the blink of an eye he could have killed everybody but he didn't do it oh man like oof. so he's sitting here he got the news that his friend was sick so he's like oh, okay it's about that time all right you know <laughs> but he stayed to the why didn't jesus run immediately to go help lazarus I mean, he has all power. He could have thought to himself, okay, Lazarus, don't die. Don't, you know, get better. And it would have happened. And I'm going I'm to I'm show you this part right here. Um, we're going to come back to the steel. But um, let's see. In verse 11, it says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. So in this instance, Lazarus is dead. How did Jesus know, but know that? And nobody came and told him, you see what I'm saying? He's showing his Godness. I don't know how to say it other than that. <laughs> he's showing how he's showing he's God in this because he's talking to the disciples. He had a full comment. Listen, the disciples was a little slow because 
verse 12 says, Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Verse 14, Then Jesus said to them, unto them plainly, plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> he's talking about he's sleeping as far as he is he's dead he died and they're talking about well if he sleep he'll he'll get some rest you know he'll be all right no y'all no fools he dead he dead <laughs> but he's showing his he's showing his god because nobody came to tell him that he died Nobody came. No one mentioned to Jesus that Lazarus died. All they said was, Lazarus is sick. Jesus stayed in that place, that same place for two days. He and his disciples had a conversation. And then he said, Lazarus is sleeping. Nobody came to tell Jesus that. It's not here. It's not in King James Version. Nobody came back and told Jesus that Lazarus died. They only came to tell him that he was sick. So how did Jesus know that? From? See, You see what I'm saying? So he stayed. Verse 6. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then we see in verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And I'm going to tell you this, there is another account and I didn't look to see where it is. I know it's in one of the gospels, either Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or all four of them. Jesus came to visit them before and Martha was in the house. You know, Martha was in the kitchen whipping it up. Okay. She was cooking a full course meal and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, just sitting at his feet, just, um, I guess just soaking in his presence, you know? And Martha got mad at Mary and said, Jesus, you need to tell her to come in this kitchen and help me cook. And he said, Mary has chosen the better thing. I think that's what it says. She, she's chosen the better thing. And so those, it's the same two sisters. Th these are the same people. Mary stayed still in the house. She, she sat still in the house. She sat still in the house. She didn't go to see Jesus. She sat still in the house. And I think it's I think it's something to say, something to notice that out of the three people that are mentioned, Mary, Martha, and Jesus, Mary and Jesus were on the same accord, sitting still. Mary got the news that Jesus was coming, she was still. Jesus got the news that Lazarus was sick, he was still. Mm. I think that speaks heavy to us because when we get news of something, whether it's good or whether it's bad, maybe we should try being still first to hear from the Lord. And I'm speaking to myself. So many times, a lot of the anxiety I have dealt with comes from me trying to concoct and calculate every little step, every minute detail when that's not my job. Most of the times I get frustrated because I'm trying to handle something that only God can handle. It's above my pay grade. If you get frustrated with stuff that goes on in your life that is out of your control, it's above your pay grade. That means it's supposed to be in God's control and not supposed to be like it isn't. It means you need to relinquish the control you think you have and give it to God. He says to cast your care upon him because he cares for you. So... I have to sit and wonder and think to myself, Mary was on the same frequency as the Lord because she didn't run out to Jesus. She didn't do all, she sat still before she did anything. Woo. She sat still before she did anything. How many of you sit still first in the presence of God before you react? See, Martha just ran out. Oh, Jesus said, boom, gone. Mary sat still in the house. Jesus didn't run to go heal Lazarus right away. He sat there for two days. He was still in the same place. He sat still in the same place where he was. 
He abode two days still in the same place where he was. He didn't move. Mm. And it's another person who was still. It was Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. And it had been four days. As Martha says. When Jesus said, take you away the stone in verse 39 of chapter 11 of John. Jesus said, take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. For He's been dead four days. It says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead. They're not even considering him a person anymore. He doesn't even have a name anymore. They're not saying Lazarus. They just, the, per, the one who was dead. Of him that has been dead. It's Lazarus. No, now it's a corpse. She said he's been dead for four days. It's a corpse now. What happens when your body dies? It's a whole process. <sighs> Can't get into that. But um, back then they didn't have formaldehyde. They didn't have that process of um, clean, cleaning out the body before, or not before, cleaning out the body after it's died. If you don't clean the body out after it has died, oof, wow, okay? It's nasty and it stinks. They suck all the fluids out of the body um, and put formaldehyde in it to hold the body in place and all of that stuff to make it stay still. They didn't have that back then. And if it was hot, you can only imagine because death stinks. Death stinks, y'all. Sometimes um, cadavers or corpses, they fart. They have flatulence. Excuse me, let me be correct here. You know, they exude flatulence. They have, you know, because of the gas that builds up. Because gas builds up in your body when you die. And sometimes they let it out. And it can clear out a whole room. Okay? Because it stinks. Death stinks. And you know what is death in the Bible? Sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. You work hard for your sin, don't you? You put them hours in, don't you? Yeah, you do. We all do. We, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you get paid for your, for your sin, too. You're going to get paid. <laughs> Trust and believe you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid with heartbreak. You're going to get paid with going to jail. You're going to get paid with death. You're going to get paid some kind of way you're going to get paid. You worked hard for that. So you're going to get paid. But death stinks. It stinks because it kills us. And here is Jesus coming four days <laughs> Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus told my aunt, take that, take that stone off the tomb. Let's, let's get him out of there. He stinks. They're not even calling him by Lazarus anymore. It's just him who is her brother. What? He's no longer Lazarus. This is him who died over here and behind that, that stone. Why did Jesus make them wait? I heard Joyce Meyer say, she was, she was talking about this very topic. And she said, if you love them, you make them wait. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. She said, Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. And he made them wait. Think about it. Any parents out there listening? Do you give your, I hope you don't, but some, you know, some people do bless your hearts. Um, parents who, who do, who don't do this or who parents who do this, good parents, I'll say, make the children wait. You don't give everything to your child when they ask for it because you know what happens when you do that. They get spoiled. They're out of control at times. You know, like you don't do that. You make them wait. Why is that important? Because waiting teaches them patience. <clears throat> it teaches them kindness. Because think about how you have to wait in line. 
if you don't know how to wait, you're rude to people. It teaches them to be humble. It teaches them a bunch of things when you make a child wait. Think about all the adults you see when they have to wait. Think about Black Friday. Y'all remember Black Friday? I don't even know if they can call it Black Friday anymore because everybody shops online now. So Black Friday and the fact that I even have to explain what Black Friday is shows my age. Like I feel really old right now. My goodness. Black Friday was a whole event though. You know, in the early days of Black Friday before it got crazy. It was a whole event. Like... That was, I mean, you got suited and booted to go to Black Friday. <laughs> you get your coffee, you and your aunties, your mama, grandma sometimes, cousins. Y'all go out by sports, like trying to get PlayStations and child. It was a whole situation out there. People, and then it started getting progressively, progressively worse as the years passed on because then you had people fighting the greeters at walmart and oh my gosh it got awful but guess what them people didn't know how to wait because if you know how to wait you can stand there and just be at peace waiting and that's what we saw with Mary and Jesus earlier on in this account instead of rushing because it got some news on something they waited they they were still it says the Bible says be still and know that I am God how many of you can wait in in the presence of the Lord without an attitude without fussing without bickering with just without being disgruntled overall how many of you can wait and I'm talking to myself because, my gosh, this is the area. I'm going to tell y'all right now. For the past year, it has gotten, I will say it has gotten more intense. Every time I go to drive, and I could be paranoid. However, I know for me, when I, as soon as I back out my driveway and I leave my subdivision. Sometimes it happens before I leave my subdivision. There is somebody going extremely slow in front of me. Y'all. <sighs> when I get in my car, I have somewhere to go. And I need to get there when I need to get there. And I just want people to know that. But the Lord has been showing me and breaking me down. <laughs> and I noticed it like yesterday. I mean, y'all. If the speed limit 35, why are we going 15? And I'm not even exaggerating because I checked the speedometer. I said, we're really going 15 miles per hour. We're going 20 miles below the speed limit. And I'm just trying to figure out why. There's nobody in front of the person. There never is. And just when I think I can't take it anymore, they they turn very slowly. And it's, it's the same time, while simultaneously, at the same time that they are turning, somebody even slower turns and takes their spot. Y'all, this has been going on for like a year. And it has gotten worse every day. <laughs> to the point where now I just... But you know what? And I used to be so mad. I used to be so mad. I, I would overtake them, you know, like ride around them and stuff like that if I could. Get in front. But as soon as I do that, it's another car going just as slow. So now... I don't get mad anymore. Not as mad. I, let me change that. I don't get as mad or annoyed anymore. I just worship. I just worship the Lord. Because when I was, um, this was about two weeks ago, I went to see Elevation Worship in Savannah, Georgia. And my friend was riding with me. <laughs> she was riding with me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, so you keep trying to rush the process that you're in and I'm trying to show you you just need to chill out Ooh. because I have been going through a process this has been a very tedious process what I've been going through almost two years now and I'm like whoo I'm tired y'all it's it's tiresome you know because you think when you go through stuff for the Lord you think it's gonna be over with no longer than a year okay no longer than six months. A year tops. <laughs> I 
I'm here to tell you, sometimes it's a day, sometimes <sighs> you know how you are. I'll say that. You know how you are. And I'll be completely honest. If this would have ended any, like, it's still not over. It's just, I know I'm coming to the end of this season of whatever this is that I had to go through. If this would have ended any sooner than it has been going on, whatever the Lord has for me on the other side of this, I would not appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I can say that with confidence because I know how I am. I will, and I'll say, I think I know how I am because he knows me like the back of his hand because my hand, my name is written in his hand. So he knows me better than I know myself. He knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. Cause that's what the Bible says. And I believe it. So that's why if he knew me before I was in my mother's womb, then clearly he knows how long, this season that I'm in is going to last and it has to last a certain, oh, what was, that was my chair. <laughs> it has to last a certain period of time because it's some stuff in me that needs to be broken off. It's some stuff in me that I don't see that he needs me to realize like how impatient. <laughs> I definitely know patience was a main subject, main topic of this season. Um, he needed me to get rooted and grounded in him. If it wasn't, and the Bible said, oh, it's in a song. I can't think of the song. But it says, if it weren't for the struggle and the tribulations and the hardship, I would not be worshiping you. I would not chose you. And I, I'm just saying it in a shortened term, in shortened way. I'll have to find it. But it's in a song. And it says that it's because of the afflictions that I can worship you the way I do. Um... And it's, it's so true. It is so true. If it weren't for the affliction, I ha the afflictions I've had to endure during this season of my life, I would not be grateful. I would not be humble. I would not be um, able to carry the weight of the blessings that he has for me that, to walk into in the next season. I would mess everything up. This season has taught me to be patient. In ways I never thought I would be patient in. This season has taught me to be disciplined. This season has taught me how to sit still and not move. Y'all, I have never done less traveling in my life than I have in this season in the past two, almost two years. I have not been able to travel anywhere. And it wasn't just because of COVID. <laughs> he, he like, uh-uh, sit. Just sit. And I'm like, can I move? No. <laughs> and seriously it's like okay and now like I said he had to show me what to driving now every time somebody not for the most part when people pull out in front of me extremely slow and I'm trying to get somewhere I just sigh and turn my, my music up Seriously. And you know what? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm, I'm not going to say every time, but for at least 70% of the time, when he allows a car to pull out in front of me extremely slow, it's a cop up ahead. <laughs> There's a cop up ahead. And I go, Huh. Thank you, Lord. Because my prayer in the mornings, for the most part, I pray, Lord, keep me from unlawful traffic stops. Keep me from car accidents. Keep me safe. Protect me. You know, say a little prayer. And for the most part, there's a cop on my path. And if the car didn't move in front of me extremely, extremely slow... I probably would have been speeding and would have got pulled over a ticket. You know how many times that has happened while I've been in this season? It's happened like at least five times, seven times, eight times, 18 times. Yeah. So he's answering my prayer, just not the way I picture the prayer to be answered. <laughs> so I actually talked about that today. Um, a lot of times we get mad at God 
because we have the urge to get mad at God because he's answering our prayers, but it's not looking like the way we pictured it in our head. <laughs> so that ties into Lazarus dying. They wanted Jesus to come and heal their brother. But sometimes the healing takes place in death. I had to learn that in my life with people who have died. Sometimes God heals through death. Sometimes he does a physical healing. Sometimes he does a spiritual healing. But sometimes he heals through death. And this miracle that Jesus performed he the thing is just like when I said the word of God is alive and it ministers to so many different people in so many different ways like you can sit in the same church service hear the same word and take something different from what was said because the Holy Spirit uses that to apply to the situations in your life that's how miracles happen well not happen but that's that's how these miracles in the bible which there are miracles every day every day you wake up is a miracle um like jesus raising lazarus from the dead jesus is the word jesus did jesus performed a miracle of raising lazarus from the dead there are people all around him there were there were hired mourners because back during it, those times they hired people to come and cry when someone died. Okay, to grieve with the family, they hired them. Um, so you had them, you had Mary, you had Martha, you had his disciples. Um, you had standard, you know, bystanders, all these people there. I guarantee you, if we could have gotten an account from each individual that was present that day everybody would have took away something different from that that's how the word works just like I'm speaking to you about this and you go and read the scriptures for yourself you're going to take something different away from everything that's how the word works it'll apply to your situation I just talked about how the Lord has dealt with me in being patient in this season I know I'm going to need some patience for whatever's coming. I'm definitely going to need some patience. And I'm going to have to remember all of these times I had to be patient, patient in knowing that God has everything taken care of patient in knowing that it's going to work itself out because that's what he promised. And he does not lie. He's not a man that he should lie patient, knowing that his word does not hit the ground. It must accomplish where it is sent patient in knowing that the vision is yet for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, the only reason I know all of the words to those scriptures is because during this season of having to wait and be patient, I studied. I studied. And that's exactly where he wants me to be. Close to him. Cleaving to him. Studying his word, spending time with him. I even took myself on a date with Jesus in my house. I had dinner cooked. I put on one of my cute little dresses and my cute shoes. And I did my hair and put my makeup on full face, which my full face is not a full face. But hey, whatever. I did the best I could. That's not my gift. <laughs> and I sat there and I made a place set for him. And I had my Bible and I had a little date. I sure did. Because he wanted me, to, he wants me to get to know who he is in all aspects, having that relationship and whatever he has in store for me in my next season, this will all make sense. Maybe not everything. I may not understand it until maybe 30 years from now and I go, oh, that's what that was for. But it'll make sense. Jesus didn't go right to Lazarus because if he continues to rescue us every time, like if he rescues us when we're in danger and don't 
listen to what I'm saying. He he hears us and he he helps us out. But if he comes right every time we need him, like Jesus, my car, my tire flat. Not that he won't send somebody, but like I said about myself, I know myself well enough to know that if this season that I'm going through would have ended last year, I would have messed up everything that he has for me at the end of the season. He knows us by name. He knows exactly who you are and where you are and what you're going through. He knows your situation. And you may feel like I've been sitting in this stinky place forever. I have been sitting in this stinky place and I want to get out. Hold on. I am here to tell you because I'm sitting in a stinky place too. I do not like where I'm sitting. He didn't ask me if I liked it. He said, sit there. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm going to sit here until he moves me to another place. I don't know the next place I may go. Next place I might go may be stinkier than this place. It may not be stinky. Who knows? All I know is that the Lord knows and he hears and he sees me. And he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do, what he promised me. Because the Lord, let me tell y'all something. The Lord done promised me some stuff, and I am holding him to what he said. I done wrote a date down on some of them things. I'm like, you remember? Hey, Lord, um, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> um, You see this date? Um, I just want you to remember you said that. That's all. That's all. Okay, I'm going to leave you alone. But that's all. I just wanted you to remember that date. Don't forget me now. Seriously. Cause it's some big stuff, and I'm like, "Where's that?" I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to see it, but I don't see it. Just like when Elijah told his um, servant, "Go and tell me what you see." When he was praying for rain, he got down in this position, looked like um, a pregnant woman trying to push out a child. He was down like that praying, and he got up from praying. He told his servant, "He said, go tell me what you see.'" And he, his servant went and he said, I don't see anything. He went and prayed some more. He said, go tell me what you see. Child, listen. It's a go tell me what you see season, okay? You still ain't seeing nothing. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Until they run back and tell you, I see a cloud that's shaped like a man's fist. Or shaped like a man's hand. Keep praying until you see a cloud. Because it's coming. And I know it, that's the cliche saying in the church, it's coming. Your season is coming. I know that's a cliche season, a cliche statement, but seriously, it is. It stinks to sit in the stink. Jesus had Lazarus up in this doggone tomb for four days before he came. The man's body was stink, decomposing. They didn't even want to let him out. But sometimes he makes us wait for the healing to come sometimes he makes us wait for the blessing to come because other people need to be there to see it sometimes they need to be there to, to receive what happened you got some people who have been around you seeing you struggle they may not say anything but they reading them post on facebook and they trying to figure out how you still going through how you still smiling you got some people who are around you seeing you going through the struggle trying to understand why you ain't committed suicide yet. Trying to understand why you ain't walked off the job yet. Trying to understand how you making it with no money in your account. You still got nice clothes. Your hair still look good. You still got nice teeth. You still brushing your teeth. How? You ain't got no money in your account to buy toothpaste. You using baking soda. You using a resource that the Lord gave you. That's how. But they're trying, to, they're trying to figure it out. And the Lord is gathering them around you right now because he's getting ready to move, tell them, hey, get that stone, get that stone and move it out the way so she can walk out. Get that stone and move it out the way so he can walk out because I'm about to call him out from the darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. Listen, Jesus told them when he called, when he, he told him in verse 39, take you away the stone. Take you away the stone. Jesus didn't move the stone. He told them to move the stone. He told them, to, it says in verse 41, then they took away the stone from that place where the dead was laid. He still don't have a name. They still, the dead, not Lazarus, but the dead. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, thank thee that thou hast heard me. 
And I knew that you heard me always, you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Sometimes you got to stay in the tomb because Jesus got to do a work on the people that's around you. Mm. Jesus got to do a work on the people that's around you so the miracle can occur. Because where there's doubt and division, ain't no miracle. You got to have unity and everybody got to be on one accord and believing in faith. The longer you stay hidden, the more people start to wonder. The more they start to look to the heavens, they start looking to the hills where your help comes from. Because you keep talking about the Lord and they see you going in that struggle. They start getting curious going, wait a minute now. Maybe it's something to this. I'm telling y'all what I know because I have seen it. In different areas of my life, even in the middle of all this huge season I'm going through, this this season of trial and frustration and impatience and stuff, going through this and learning how to wait, learning how to have patience and stuff like that, going through it, the Lord will gather those people because they've been watching you for so long. They're wondering when you're going to crack and they're not seeing it. So now they have to start questioning what is it that you believe in? And you have to have an answer to give them. You have to always be ready with an answer. You have to show them Jesus because what God is doing, you are his vessel. Jesus is the light of the world. The light cannot be hid. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. The light of Jesus is in you and God has to break you gracefully sometimes. And that light shines through those cracks because we're imperfect. But nobody sees our imperfections because of Jesus. And they could see our they could see them cracks, but they don't. It's like, wait a minute, you you got all of that, but wow, you don't look like what you've been through. In Japan, they do this thing with pottery. Pottery has cracks and stuff. They fill it with twenty four karat gold, so all the cracks end up having gold. <sighs> beautiful art, beautiful pieces. But they were broken, put together, held together by gold. Ain't that crazy? We're broken, broken vessels, but Jesus puts us back together. And we become something beautiful. We're new creatures made in him. Old things have passed away and all things become new. You come to our church, you come to my church, there's some people in there, I don't know how old they are anymore. I lost count. They're old. Okay, <laughs> they don't look like their age. If they told you how old they were, you would think they're lying. It's some people in there, they look like they're 20 years younger than what they are. You would never know how old they were unless they told you. Because the joy of the Lord is their strength. The, the Lord restores. And that's what he did with Lazarus. He, he, he restored. He restored him. And that's what he's trying to do in your life. He wants to restore you from the sting of sin and death. He's trying to pull you out of that stink. Whether it's the stink of sin or the stinky place of your situation that you're in. He wants to pull you out and use you to show forth his glory so other people know that they can come out too. You don't have to stay in that place that you're in. If the Lord has you sitting somewhere, know that he's going to pull you out when it's time. If you come out before then, you're going to mess stuff up. Trust me, you're going to mess it up. That's why I have learned to be content in whatsoever state that I am in, whether I am abased or abound. That, that is what Apostle Paul has said in his um, work. I believe it was in Philippians. He said that. He has learned to be content in whatsoever state he is in. Whether I have money, whether I don't have money, whether I am depressed, whether I am not depressed, whether I am mad or whether I am not mad, whether things are going well or things are going poorly. He's learned to be content. In this season, I have learned to be content. I have had to learn. When, you were ha when it says you learned, that means you have been taught. You went through something. You have experience to back up what you went through. I have gone through some experiences in this season for the, almost the past two years. I'm going to tell you, I've gone through some stuff. And when it's over, I'll share it. It ain't over with yet. I'm almost there. But when it's time, I'm going to share it. Y'all know I'll share it. I don't care. 
So we gonna we gonna end, okay? Because it's just it's so much. Like I said, it's so much. Please go back and read John chapter eleven. Um, the account of Lazarus is verse one through forty-five. Go back and read it, study it. Don't rush through it. Just spend time. I tell you, if you if you start reading it and you start studying, you probably be in until twenty twenty-four. I guarantee you. it's a lot in that chapter. So anyway, I am well over. I guess that works for the first episode of season two. I will um talk to y'all later. I hope y'all have a great rest of your work week. Be blessed. See you soon. Well, not see you soon, but you'll hear from me soon. <laughs>